You may have the most unique problem in the world, but Jesus has the key for you. This is the final message in the series Forward. The message is entitled, No More Excuses, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to continue to talk this weekend about one of the things, some of the things I should say, that get in the way of our forward progress in life. And we talked a bit about this last weekend. I told you that this message actually had two parts. And really, we're looking at the basic thing, thing that gets in the way of us moving forward in life. And that's the word that we introduced last weekend. And what is that word? Our excuses. And last weekend, I shared with you five excuses that get in the way of us moving forward. And I told you there were 10 in total. Today, we're going to look at the, uh, the rest of those 10, the next five that you need to be aware of. So this will help you to dismantle some of the things that get in the way of you going forward in your life. Can I ask you again today for a show of hands, how many of you would like to go forward in your relationship with God in every realm of your life? I think that's about all of us. So there's a desire that is there. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But with that desire, we have to overcome some excuses that keep us from getting there. The first excuse I want to talk about today is the hurdle of feelings in your life. Notice the word is hurdle. If you ever watch track and field, you know, there's a, a track and field event where runners have to jump over certain hurdles. And I will promise you that in your spiritual journey, there are going to be some hurdles along the way. And one of those hurdles is what I'm calling the hurdles of feeling. The idea that I would like to move forward, I would like to do the things necessary to move my life forward, but I don't feel like doing it. Here's the truth. Most things in life that are really good for us are things that we don't naturally feel like doing. Have you noticed that? Most of the things that are really good for you, you tend to not feel like doing them. And here's a question for you. Do you really want to build your life on what you, the things that you do or don't do based upon your feelings? Do you want a life based upon emotion? If you've ever seen someone who's the extreme example of this, you know that they're up one day and down the next, and they never make much progress in life because emotions are very fickle. And the truth is, all of us have varying emotions at times that draw us in different directions. And the little secret that we fail to recognize at times is that transformation happens when you do the right things, even when you don't feel like doing them. That's where transformation happens in life. There's a graph that I want to show you today that I think will be helpful for you as we talk about this excuse of I don't feel like it. And I want to start with desire. All of us, as we just acknowledged a few moments ago, have a desire to move forward. When I ask you the question, how many of you would like to move forward, you acknowledge, I want that. I have this desire in my life. And oftentimes, we fool ourselves thinking that desire is enough. Desire is never enough. Desire will never get you to your destiny. A lot of people have a lot of good desires, but desires never get you to your destiny. There's something in between desire and destiny, and that desire has to be translated into what is this word? Discipline. 
If I desire a better relationship with God at some point in time, I'm not going to get there unless I learn something about spiritual disciplines. I have to learn how to pick up my Bible and read and attend Bible study classes and be regular in church and learn how to pray and talk to God, have a relationship with Him. I have to learn something about sharing my faith with others, learning how to fellowship and serve. These are all disciplines of the spiritual life, and they're not always easy to do, and sometimes you're not going to feel like doing them. And really what discipline is, is not what you feel. Discipline is saying yes to the things that you know you need to say yes to, and no to the things that you know you need to say no to. And what I have learned and continue to learn in life is that as you practice discipline, discipline becomes delightful in your life. You know, there was a time in my life when, to be quite honest with you, it was a chore for me to pick up my Bible every day and read, not because it was not good, not because it were not good things in the Bible, it just wasn't a part of my daily habit. But as I began to discipline myself to pick up my Bible every day and to spend time with God, I've gotten to the place in my life that if I miss a day, I really miss it. I miss it down inside. I delight in being able to read God's Word and to be able to take it into my life. But I got to that point by discipline. And when you have discipline, discipline turns into something that is delightful. And out of that, you end up at your destiny. But if you're controlled by your feelings, you will never get there. Feelings may inspire you, but feelings will not keep you motivated. And if you're going to stay motivated in life and have the momentum necessary to move forward, you have to say, I'm not going to live my life based upon my emotions. One of the saddest things, I think, for a lot of Christians is they think that they have to feel something to be spiritual. You don't have to feel anything to be spiritual. Spirituality is not about feeling anything. I'm grateful that I have good feelings at times, but I don't have to feel God's presence to know God is present. You know how I know that God is present? God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so if I know his word, I don't have to depend upon the feelings that are, if you will, fickle inside of me. So can I encourage you, if you're going toward that forward momentum for your life to make the decision that you're going to live not just by a desire that you hope will get you there, but to begin to apply discipline based upon doing what is right, even when you don't feel like doing what is right, knowing that it will become a delight, it will get you to your destiny. Here's the second excuse. It's the it's too hard obstacle. It's too hard. I'd like to go forward, but but it's just it's just too hard. And this is, a, this is a obstacle that gets in the way of a lot of our progress. And the reason is because in life, here's what we want oftentimes more than anything else. What are we looking for? Comfort, or we're looking for another word, ease. Some of you have an easy chair in your den. And that's where you retire to, and that's where you say, leave me alone. That's my chair. It's my easy chair. It is my place of comfort. If I have that place, I'm in a comfort zone in my life. And all of us like to get to comfort zones in life. And when we get to a comfort zone, we don't want to be disturbed. And I'll tell you something about God. He loves to mess with your comfort zones. God loves to come in and right when you get easy, he loves to poke you and say, hey, wake up. He comes to disturb your levels of comfort. 
I want to take you to a story in the Bible where we see an example of Jesus disturbing a man's comfort. And let's see how it applies to our lives as well. The story is found in the Gospel of Mark. It's found in various places in the Gospels. But let's look at Mark. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. We talked about this passage a few weeks ago. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So the man was concerned about eternity. What's going to happen to me after this life? What's life after life? How do I inherit eternal life? And then Jesus said, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. I talked about that a few weeks ago. You know the commandments, Jesus says to him, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Notice his reply, teacher, he replied, all these I have kept since I was a boy. He says to Jesus, I have done all these things. When it comes to my religion, I am comfortable. I've done all that. Check it off. I'm comfortable. I've really done all you've asked me to do. If that's all that's required, I'm in a good place. You would think that Jesus would have left him alone at that moment, but Jesus didn't. Why? Because Jesus messes with your comfort zone. Okay, look at what happens here. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He thought everything was good. Oh, I'm keeping all the commandments. Everything is wonderful. Jesus said, oh, before we close out this conversation, there's one more thing you lack. You're really comfortable where you are right now, but there's still something you lack. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Suddenly, Jesus challenged this man outside of his comfort zone because he had great wealth and he was not willing to be uncomfortable to do what was necessary. And take a look at what happens next in the story. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how, what's the word there? Hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I want to make sure that you understand here, Jesus was not condemning wealthy people. There's nothing wrong with wealth, nothing wrong with riches. Jesus never condemns that. But the problem was this man was controlled by his substance, by his possession. That was the real issue in his life. He was comfortable in his circumstance. And Jesus comes along and he tries to, if you will, break him away from his comfort zone. He doesn't want to do it. And Jesus said, it's hard for people to give up their comfort zone. Do you know it's hard for you to give up your comfort zone when Jesus comes along and he pokes you and says, I want you to start loving that person you've been despising. I want you to forgive that person that you've been holding that grudge against. I want you to start giving to me like you've never given to me. I want you to start studying your Bible. I want you to attend a Bible class. He comes along and he finds us in our place of comfort And he begins to stir us and he begins to call us to something fresh in our lives. And if we're not careful, our response and our excuse will be, Jesus, hey, it's just too hard for me to do that. It's just too hard. And I will promise you, if you're going to go forward in life, you have to get rid of the obstacle of it's too hard. You've got to remove that from your life. Here's our third 
excuse. Why don't you read this one together with me? It is the... Oh, man, that's really pitiful, okay? Come on, read it with me. The I'll do it later. What is it? What is it? It's a lie. You know that's true. I'll do it later. I'll get around to it at some point in time. One of the things that we're really good at, everybody here is good at it. We're good, very good at deceiving ourselves, aren't we? Oh, you know what works in your life? When was the last time someone asked you how much you weighed? <laughs> right? You know that ain't true. Okay. It's a dream that you have in your mind, okay? And so you're projecting, you've deceived yourself into thinking that you're at least 20 pounds lighter, perhaps, than you really are, okay? But it's deception, and the biggest, self de- biggest form of self-deception in our life is the de- self-deception of procrastination, okay? Pro, I'm going to put it out there somewhere in the future. I'm going to put off until tomorrow what I could and should be doing today. And so procrastination is telling ourselves, I'll get around to it one day. It's not that we completely reject it. God comes along and says, I want you to start loving that person that you haven't been loving on very much. I want you to witness to me, to that neighbor who's beside you. I want you to forgive that person that you haven't been willing to forgive. I want you to begin to study your Bible regularly. I want you to attend church more consistently. I want you to fill in the blank, whatever it might be in your life. I want you to give in ways that you haven't given before. And and instead of just saying it's too hard, we say, I'll get, I'll do it later. I'll get around to it, God. I'll just put that on the back shelf and I hear you, but I'll do it later. It's an excuse and that excuse keeps you from doing what? From moving forward in your life. The I'll do it later perspective that we bring to life circumstances. And I want to tell you something that's an extremely important statement that I want to make for all of us today, one that I need to hear and all of us need to hear. Regrets are the bitter fruit of procrastination. Let me say that again. That's worth writing down. Regrets are the bitter fruit of procrastination. Because when you procrastinate, what happens is at the end of your life, you're going to have regrets that you need not have had because you postponed things that you never got around to doing. And you'll never regret the positive actions that you take, but you'll painfully grieve at some point in time over the ones that you never got around to. Solomon Wisest man that ever lived, apart from Jesus himself, tremendous man of wisdom. He gives us the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Song of Solomon in the, in the scriptures. And I want you to listen to what he says about procrastination in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never do what? Plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. 
So the farmer comes out and says, you know what? I really like to plant today, but the weather is just not everything I need it to be. I'm going to wait for the weather to be perfect. And it says here that farmers who wait for perfect weather, weather never plant. They, if they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Listen to this from the Living Bible. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Can we give an amen to God's word this morning? Okay. If you wait for perfect conditions, what will happen? You'll never, I'm just going to wait till, I'll start tithing when I become a millionaire. <laughs> I'll start tithing when I hit the lottery. Listen, if you can't, die, if you can't tithe on a dollar, you can't tithe on a million dollars. Don't fool yourself, okay? And so we make decisions like this and we say, I'll, when the conditions are perfect, then I'll, I'll do it. But the scripture says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Ecclesiastes 11.6 says, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both. Here Solomon says the best way to live your life is not to put off until tomorrow something that needs to be done today. Get up in the morning and start planting seeds. Start doing what you need to be doing every day because you don't know which one of those seeds will reap the harvest for your life. Number four, the fourth thing today. We're looking at five of these. The fourth one is the I don't think it was meant for me mindset. It's an excuse. Well, I'd like to go forward, but I don't think it was meant for me. Maybe for other people, but, but maybe not for me. Because there's certain things about my own life that may restrict me from being able to really grow the way other people can grow. And so I'm not sure that it's really meant for me. I can only go so far in life. My success is going to be limited because I'm limited in life. And so this is a, a limited mindset. It's a fixed mindset. Well, God hasn't given me those gifts or I don't have the genetic background. You don't know what family I came from or you don't know the upbringing that I had or you don't know my personality. I just have a personality that settles in. I don't like to grow. It's just who I am. I'm just like this. Okay. I'm a big believer in personality inventories. I think everybody ought to take a, a couple of personality tests and learn something about yourself. But I'm also uh, against personality tests in one measure. It's great to know what your personality is, but your personality score or test in any psychological test that you take is never meant to be something that prescribes how you're going to be for the rest of your life. It might describe your tendencies, but it shouldn't prescribe what you're going to be for the rest of your life. Because I promise you that when you stand before Jesus one day, he's not going to ask you your Myers-Briggs type. He's not going to ask you what number you are on the Enneagram scale. He's not going to ask you this kind of stuff. He's going to say, well, were you like Jesus? Okay, let's talk about that. Now, we can learn lots about ourselves, but what I want you to realize is that your personality need not limit you because we're all, we're different, but we're all called to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Very important to realize that we, we have to get past this, this, I don't think it was meant for me mindset. How do you recognize this mindset in your life? It's usually through your vocabulary. You wor use words like, I can't, I 
want. You, have, you use words like, I give up. These are things, if you find yourself challenged, well, I just can't do that. I can't overcome that, or I, I won't do that in my life. I know it might be good for me, but I'm not going to do it. I, I just give up. And those words are indicative of really a lack of faith in our life, a lack of confidence in who God is, because as believers in Jesus Christ, we know that can't is not a word that really should be fixed to us In fact, Jesus comes along and he does this with your cans. And he makes it this. You know why? You know how we know this? Philippians 4.13, I. Come on, church, help me out. I. There's no can't there, is there? There's no apostrophe T. It says I can do all things, this is the amplified version, which he has called me to do, through him who strengthens me and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. That doesn't sound like someone who says it's just not meant for me, does it? Maybe you in your life have been using that excuse of saying, you know what, I'd like to grow, but but maybe I just can't do it. Maybe I won't be able to. I just quit. It's too hard for me. I, I just give up. And so those are attitudes that need to be eradicated from our lives if we are going to move forward. Last one that I will give you today. This is the fifth and final excuse that we're looking at together. Why don't you read it with me? The you don't know my situation appeal. I would grow, I would go forward, but you you don't know my situation right now. You just don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't know my circumstances. You don't understand what I'm facing in my life right now. My situation is different. My situation is unique. My situation, here's a word that we will often use, if not verbally, at least in our minds, my situation is impossible. Oh, you want me to go forward in my marriage? You got to be kidding. My marriage is impossible. You want me to get my finances in order? Oh, you got to be kidding. My financial situation is an impossibility. Oh, you want me to love that person? You got to be kidding. That's impossible. You want me to forgive that person? No, you got to be kidding. That's impossible. And so we have this mindset that you don't know my situation. You don't know what I am going through, but I want you to listen closely to me today. There are a lot of situations in this room right now, a lot of circumstances that are very unique and very difficult. If we had the time to talk with each one of you today, many of you could share with, you some, share with us some very difficult, challenging, painful things in life that to you as a human being seems extremely impossible to ever get out of or to ever overcome. But I'm here to tell you today, as God's messenger to you today, Jesus Christ holds the key to every situation and every circumstance you will ever face in your life. I have a set of keys here. These are my keys. Nobody steal them from me, please, okay? Everything in my life, access, right there, all these keys. That's a lot of keys, right? My keys. Every one of these keys have a unique design to them. 
that unlocks specific doors and specific places, specific locks, specific things. They all are unique. If I need to get in my house, I know the key to use to get into my house. If I need to get in my office, I know the key that'll get me into my office. If I use the key to my house at my office, it won't work. You understand that basic principle. But I want you to understand something today. As, as someone who came into a relationship with Jesus Christ as one of his children, he loved, he died for, he gave his life for you. Jesus has a key with your name on it, okay? It's a master key to your life. Are you hearing me today? I'm going to prove this in Scripture in just a moment. It's your name, just think of your name written on that key. And no matter how unique your problems are, Jesus has the master key to unlock any chain in your life, any prison door in your life, any bondage in your life, any shackles in your life, anything that is holding you back from moving forward, Jesus has the key that will specifically, can specifically be applied to your life for the deliverance that you need because nothing is impossible with God. Take a look at this verse. Jesus, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now, you said, Pastor, you used the example of the key. Where in the world did you get that example from? And is that even true? Is that in the Bible? It certainly is. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Write the following to the messenger of the, church, of the congregation in Philadelphia, for these are the solemn words of the Holy One, the true one, who has David's key. That speaks of the Messiah there, the kingdom of David, who opens doors that none can shut. And closes doors that none can open. Aren't you glad you serve a Messiah, a Savior like that in your life? What have we learned today? The biggest thing that we have to get out of the way if we're going to move forward is we have to, we have to remove those excuses. We've got to get, get rid of the excuse of feelings. I don't feel like it. Well, chances are you'll never feel like it. Okay? You've got to remove the excuse of it's too hard. Oh, it's hard, yeah, no question about it, but it's not too hard. You've got to remove that excuse of, well, I'll do it later, just later. Sometimes I'll, I'll just get around to it at some point in time. No, 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 the right time is, is now. The I don't think it was meant for me. Yes, it was meant for you. He wants you to be victorious and to experience the blessing of moving forward in your life. And the I don't know if you know my situation. Maybe you don't understand. God understands nothing is impossible with him. He has the key with your name on it. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Father, we thank you today for your word. We're grateful for the word of God and how it speaks to us. We ask, Lord, that you'll take this message and really apply it deeply in our heart by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that something that's said today would move us forward in our relationship with you, our relationship with those around us. For that, we thank you in Jesus' name. 
I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.